You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Broadcasting from Radio Row at Super Bowl 57, this is the Tim Donnelly Show, presented by Dreamlawns on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show live from Radio Row here in Phoenix. To start the hour, let's first of all get our health check. Brought to you by Virginia Clinical Research. Uh, a health check, obviously, leading up to the, the, the game on Sunday. We're keeping you updated on everything that comes out involving the players and their health and their injuries and what they're overcoming. And I'll directly, as part of our health check here, read a tweet from Diana Rossini of ESPN. Diana says, perhaps the most important injury update for Super Bowl Sunday, Andy Reid said Patrick Mahomes, who admits he isn't 100%, can do just about everything in the playbook. Reed referenced a fast practice on Monday and seemed happy with how Mahomes is moving. Uh, And the reason why that's our Virginia Clinical Research health check is because you can be as hurt and as banged up as you want. If you can do everything in the playbook, if you can can execute every play and your coaches don't have to uh, game plan around your injury, it's as if you're not hurt. Right, and and that is a big moment when someone is coming over an injury like like Patrick Mahomes, right? Which is a uh, obviously one of kind of a, a focal point injury that if it, it it works or doesn't work is going to potentially decide the Super Bowl. When you can tell the coach, "I'm good, I can do it all," it's a big moment, right? That in the past it's, "Hey, I'm good," but yeah, maybe you don't want to call this play that play or the other. I'm good except for when I have to make this move. I'm good, except it hurts when I do this. That's a completely different situation. That's a completely different conversation than I can do everything. So our Virginia sports, sorry, Virginia clinical research health check for the game comes from uh, Diane Rossini, who spoke with with Andy Reid during media availability and uh, learned that Patrick Mahomes, there's no limitations, at least when the playbook comes, to what you can call with that guy. Uh, And that's pretty darn important. Also, as we continue to wait for Ryan Leaf here, hopefully he's able to make it over. Uh, we are live from the, the from Radio Row here in Phoenix, and, and I say hopefully he's able to make it over here because uh, this is our first time on Radio Row, and there are certain uh, difficult paths, meaning if you are somebody that people want to talk to and you have to walk from one end of this room to the other, uh, you're going to be shaking a lot of hands, even if you're declining every interview you're, you're, you're given the opportunity to, to make. There's uh, there's going to be some slowdowns. There's going to be some traffic jams with everybody stopping you. So we're gonna we're gonna hope to link up with Ryan Leaf. In the meantime, the Colts' coaching decision has been been lingering for quite some time, and there is a fine line between being thorough and being picky. And I think the Colts have passed that line. And picky, it might, probably doesn't even come across as as negative as it should, right? There, there is a fine line between being thorough and being being almost intentionally misleading, right? For more details, here's Ian Rappaport on the Rich Eisen Show talking about the Colts coaching update. And matter of fact, before we get to Rappaport, I will uh, I'll read a tweet from owner Jim Ursay who tweeted yesterday. This is directly from Jim Irsay. 
We said, as an organization, parentheses Colts, the coaching search would be an open-minded and thorough process, and the final decision would be strictly based on what is best for our franchise's success and best for our fans of Colts Nation. Final decision coming in days, not hours. For more details, here's Ian Rappaport. The Colts are going to interview Shane Steichen still. I believe that is her seventh and final second-round interview. Pretty thorough process. Pretty <laughs> thorough process. Right. And then, you know, they're going to pick someone. And I think the early thought was that, you know, it's probably going to be Jeff Saturday. I'm not so sure we're there anymore. I mean, I still think he has a chance, but it seems like some of the candidates did really well. You know, Raheem Morris, I've heard, has done very well. I think that's... You know, certainly one to watch. Sounds like Rich Passaccia has done really well. I mean, there's, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of guys who have. I'll be curious to see what they pick. But, you know, seven, seven finalists, tough to know which direction they're going right now. Thorough is the word that keeps being thrown around. And thorough, to me, is, is you can be too thorough. This isn't like buying a car or like a new dishwasher where you can research and research and research and pick the perfect one, knowing that there are a billion of each kind out there, right? It's not like, hey, if you don't buy this, uh, this Honda Civic, there's, there's going to be no more Honda Civics, right? If you do all the research, you find the car you like, and then you can go find that car. This is buying a one-of-a-kind item, right? If, if you wanted uh, to trade for Sean Payton or if you wanted Frank Reich or if you wanted one of the, these, if you wanted Wilkes who took a defensive coordinator job, if, if you wanted one of these coaching candidates and they're hired by someone else, it doesn't, you can be as thorough as you want and come to the decision that you wanted Frank Reich in time, but it's too late, right? This is buying a one-of-a-kind item. If you don't buy it, it's gone, right? Limited stock is the way I would describe head coaching candidates. You have to be smart. I get it. You don't want to rush anything. I get it. You don't want to hurry your decision. I get it. But you have to be decisive and get your guy. As soon as you decide who that is, don't dilly-dally. And, and it's almost like, you know, do the thing or get off the pot. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's the, the amount of time that the Colts have taken – is probably already too much time. And every day that they go on, they're missing out on an opportunity to build the rest of the staff. Because keep in mind, once you hire your head coach, then they have to turn around and hire their staff, and then that staff has to get together with the GM staff, and everybody has to get together with the scouts, and you have to decide what you want to do in the draft. It's not take your time, we only have to make one decision. Right. Think of it again in in that same way. It's not like buying a car where you buy a car. Perfect. Now you have a car. It's like, I don't know, designing a whole kitchen where you're you're you decide on this. And then based on that, you're going to decide on the color of the counters. And then based on that, you're going to decide on on how big the island's going to be. And based on that, you're going to decide on the lighting fixtures like there's a whole host of of trickle down decisions that you have to make. So so. And, and you know what? I'm going to open it up to, to one conspiracy theory before we get to what's more likely happening. The one conspiracy theory is nobody wants your job. I'm kidding. That's probably more likely what's happening. If you're between a rock and a hard place and nobody wants your job, fine. Just don't brag about it and try to pretend like you're the ones being thorough and dragging your feet. The conspiracy theory is the Colts are waiting and waiting and waiting until there's no other viable option so they can name Jeff Saturday. 
Some believe that Jim Irsay wanted Jeff Saturday all along. That's why he named him interim. That's why uh, you know they're buddies and, and he played for him and all these sorts of things. Is there a world where is there a world where he's just dragging his feet and not hiring, not hiring, not hiring? So then, then eventually he can go. Well, we have no other options. We have to go with Jeff. Maybe, but if that's the case, I, I dislike this move even more. There's a fine line between being thorough and being unreasonable. They're unreasonable at this point. Get your guy, hire him, and move on to the next uh, next evolution, next era in Colts football. Hey, Richie, do we have our man on the street ready to roll? Looks like he's going to get our man on the street ready to roll. Man on the street is brought to you by Margie and Ray's Seafood. Last night, Robbie went out onto, like I described yesterday, outside of our nice protected area here where you need a media badge to get in, and he went out to the people on the street walking around Phoenix, the fans in the area, and he spoke to them, uh, and he was looking for, for their thoughts to, on the important stuff surrounding the, the Super Bowl coming up. Uh, and we're going to play that for you in a second here. Uh, again, Man on the Street is brought to you by Margie and Ray's Seafood. Am I getting the thumbs up from Richie? All right, we have it. Here's Man on the Street. From Phoenix, it's time for Man on the Street with Robbie Vogler. Brought to you by Margie and Ray's Seafood Restaurant on the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Robbie here, Man on the Street, brought to you by Margie and Ray's Seafood Restaurant. I am out here on the streets of Phoenix, Arizona, getting ready for the big game. We got Greg and Lisa with me. Where are you guys from? Uh, St. Albert, Alberta, Canada. Love it. You guys, long, long way here. What are you most looking forward to, the golf or the Super Bowl? Oh, of course, the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, <laughs> the Super absolutely. Bowl Sunday. You guys got any favorites that, that you're uh, you're rooting for? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. We're, we're opposite homes. I'm, I am KC all the way. Okay. Okay, you know what? We got two Canadians here, so I got to ask. Favorite tailgate snack before the big game? Chicken wings. What am I going to say? Something alcoholic. How about a margarita? There we go. That (laughs) works, too. Man on the street out here in the streets of Phoenix. Talking to my man, Sean. If you had to spend a night on a deserted island with one Eagles player currently and one Chiefs player currently, who would you pick and why? Uh, well, I'd have to go with both the quarterbacks, Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, and, uh, you know, try to secretly, you know, convince Pat to, you know, uh, help us get this ring. But uh, I'm feeling pretty confident. I think that uh, Jalen Hurts is, uh, is just unstoppable. All Eagles team is, uh, like, unstoppable wrecking ball right now. You know what I mean? So we going all the way. We getting that ring. If you're the Eagles, you giving Jalen a, a long-term contract for whatever he wants? Absolutely. Money is no option. Alex and Ricardo, where are you two from? From Mexico. What is the best tailgate food before the big Super Bowl? I would go with wings, totally. Chicken wings. Who wins this Sunday and what's the score? I hope Eagles 37-34. Eagles 20-10. Man on the street on the streets of Phoenix, Jason from Lexington, Kentucky. Jason, one quick question for you. What is the best tailgate food before a big Super Bowl? Hamburger. Hamburger, anything on it? Uh, cheese, mustard, ketchup, mayonnaise. Love it. Thanks so much. All right, thank you. This is the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. 
Live from Radio Row inside the Phoenix Convention Center in the heart of Super Bowl country, it's the Tim Donnelly Show, presented by Dream Lawns on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Welcome back into the Tim Donnelly Show here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We are live from Radio Row at the Super Bowl. Joining us here in the Pitbull Tobacco and More guest chair, Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Sam. Uh, Sam, first of all, appreciate you for, for stopping by. No seen, problem. Seeing you uh, ping-ponging around Radio Row a little bit here. Uh, I want to start with the, the Chiefs replacing Tyreek Hill. Uh, obviously, PFF is known for diving deep. Is there something in the grades or the numbers that shows who stepped up or how they were able to do that other than, you know, everyone's kind of just saying, Mahomes is really good. He did it without Tyreek. Well, what deeper than that happened? Yeah, I mean, that is true. Um, the other thing that's really true is that Travis Kelsey has always been this team's number one wide receiver. Like He's a tight end, but he is their number one receiver and has been throughout that process. And the other thing I think that we've learned is those two high coverage shells that they were seeing all last mm-hmm. year that were causing them so many problems, they were kind of a product of Tyreek Hill. Like they, I think teams realized once they started using that type of coverage, that type of look, that it was causing the Chiefs some problems, and then they kind of leaned into it. But the reason they started it was because Tyreek Hill was on the field, and you had to try and take away those crazy explosive plays. So the second he left town, the Chiefs started to see an awful lot less of those formations than they've seen um, in the last couple of seasons. So I think that was a big part of it. And then the additions that they've made at wide receiver of Juju Smith-Schuster and guys like that, they've been able to do enough so that Mahomes has somewhere to go with the ball and we saw, you know, in the uh, AFC title game that if you literally run out of everybody and all you've got left is Travis Kelsey, it doesn't work. <laughs> like, you do need just somebody as a receiver to give Mahomes somewhere to go with the football. Well, you bring up that too-high shell thing, and it's one of my favorite, like, uh, like threads throughout football. It seems like every young quarterback bursts onto the scene, and then there's, like, an eight-game adjustment period where everybody's playing two-shell, two, uh, two and they have to learn to check it down and take what's, what's being given them. Why can't they teach those quarterbacks how to take the check down and take what's given before they struggle for three or four games? I mean, I think there's this is what's so fascinating about quarterback play and just the NFL generally. There's always this, like, evolution process, and then the league adjusts to you, and you've got to come up with the counter, and then they counter the mm-hmm. counter, and it keeps going, right? And that's why Tom Brady is the greatest to do it, not because necessarily he was the best in any one stretch or, you know, he's got uh, – that number of seasons where he's the best, but just because he kept doing it Mm -hmm. year after year after year, and every time the league found something that caused Brady problems, he found an answer, and he found a different way of playing offense, and he found a way of adapting and going in a different direction. And to do that for 23 years is what makes the guy so good because the game now barely resembles the game that was being played when Tom Brady first showed up in the NFL. And Mahomes has shown now that he's able to adjust. Like, the league has shown him a couple of different things that they didn't show him before, and he's found answers to that, and he's figured out what the adjustments are. I think, you know, Josh Allen is dealing with that right now. And it's a lot of these young quarterbacks, this is kind of the first time they're going through this adjustment period. But I think that's just an inevitable part of playing football at the NFL level. Defenses and the league is too good to let you just keep doing the thing that you're doing and having it destroy them. They'll find the way of stopping it, and then the onus is on you to come up with the next thing. Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus, connecting with us here in the guest chair, brought to you by Pitbull Tobacco and More on Radio Row in Phoenix. Uh, 
let's look at the other quarterback. Lots, lots being talked about with, when it comes to Mahomes' ankle, but what differences have you seen in, in Hurts since he's come back from that shoulder injury? I don't think he's been as good passing the ball. Um, I think he's definitely still hurting. Like The funny thing is they keep running him into contact, and he keeps throwing his shoulder in there. You know, and you sort of go, well, he must be fine then. Like, why would they, why would they run him at a linebacker if he wasn't 100% healthy? But his passing numbers have not been the same since he's come back from that injury. And I think you can see um, a, a problem there, at least manifesting in his per- performance. So I think you're right. That's like a really underrated part of this game is that all the focus is on Mahomes' health and whether he's close to 100%. But Jalen Hurts, I think, is still some way short of 100% himself, and, and that's a big part of this game. And, and, and Hurts, kind of his career timeline's a bit accelerated by not being a first-round pick. They don't have that fifth-year option. Right. So, so they're facing a big decision with him this, this offseason. Is there a risk? You know, the two things we just talked about. He really hasn't had that counter to, to the league figuring him out yet and the little bit of injury. That's always a question as well. Is, is there any risk to giving him that long-term gigantic deal that I'm sure he and his agent are, are going to be asking for? I mean, I think there's always a risk. Anytime you're signing a quarterback to one of those giant contracts, and we've seen it, you know, cautionary tales. The Jared Goff deal with the Rams, the mm-hmm. Carson Wentz deal with the Eagles that, you know, Jalen Hurts will be the next guy. Um, Josh Allen got his contract. He's still playing at an incredible level, but he's living through that mm-hmm. now where he is struggling a little bit more this season than he did in, in previous years. So, yeah, if you sign him to this giant contract, which I think he's earned this year, it doesn't mean that next year the league won't figure something out and he'll have a little bit more trouble next year than he did this season. But I think what we've seen from Hertz this season is that the threat as a rusher is obvious. That's been there for a couple of years. But the step he took as a passing quarterback this year, it, I mean, we're seeing just the, the embodiment of what it means for the Eagles. If he plays at that level... This is a Super Bowl caliber team, and there's no reason that wouldn't be true next year as well. And, and, and it helps being behind that offensive line. The, the, yeah. the PFF grades for that offensive line are so good, they've gone viral a few times. You put a graphic together yeah. with it, and all of a sudden everybody's retweeting it. Uh, what makes them so good beyond the fact that, you know, my lot is big or Kelsey is gritty? There's no weakness. I mean, they, they had the number one offensive line in the league every single week of the season, the PFF. <laughs> um, everybody on that line, every single player, is a top seven, I think, player at their position. So not only is there no weakness, but every starter is a top ten player at their position. Like that's that's <laughs> absurd. Like that's nobody has an offensive line like that. Even you know you go back to the last sort of few great offensive lines in the league when Dallas had three All Pros or three mm. Hall of Famers on that line. The other two guys were not top ten players at their position. They were fine. They were good, and that's what made that offensive line great. But the Eagles have five guys that are all top ten players. Lane Johnson, I think, is the best right tackle in the NFL. Jason Kelsey is arguably the best center in the NFL. Jordan Mailata is a top tackle. Like, it's just such a good unit with no weakness that can dominate on the ground, that is great in pass protection. And, of course, Jalen Hurts, like what he's able to do as a quarterback only helps that unit as well. We're talking with Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus. I'm going to I'm gonna flip that answer right back at you, right? As, as good as everything you just said is on that Eagles offensive line, is there something that the Chiefs can exploit or Chris Jones can do to, to make life a little bit more difficult for that offense? Not really. I mean, obviously injuries are always one, one snap away from the, the story being different. Like when they have to go into the bench, it is a different group. We've seen Jack Driscoll have to come in a couple of times, and it's, it's a very different thing from Lane Johnson being there. So obviously that could raise its head at any point in the game. Um, Chris Jones is a dominant player, and he's going to present challenges. It's going to be you know, star against star, he can cause problems. But, no, I mean, the bottom line is that it's a fantastic offensive line. There's not much getting away from that. Uh, 
I want to I want to look away from this game to some other things going on in, in, in the NFL. I saw on Twitter uh, you listed the, the the needs for teams across the league, and one that stood out to me was the Bengals needing a tackle. Mm. How, how frustrating is it that last year they couldn't protect Burrow? They spent big on the offensive line. Now they're going back into the offseason with offensive line being an, another need. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes that's just the reality of the NFL, right? You're never done in one go. You've got to keep reloading you got to keep addressing positions that are problems and if you don't get it right one time you got to keep swinging because it's still a problem spot you need to fix it so I think what they did last offseason was good it was smart it worked and when everybody was healthy they probably would have had that sort of group Mm. quote-unquote fixed Um, but then obviously injury struck they lost three starters in three weeks and and things sort of fell apart but the one spot that they didn't touch last offseason was left tackle Jonah Williams, their former first-round pick. And Williams led the NFL this season with 12 sacks given up. Mm -hmm. So the guy that they thought was good and wasn't a spot they needed to address all of a sudden became a problem spot for them, had the worst year of his career. And now you're looking at this and saying, well, he's probably not worth a big contract. We, We should at least figure out somebody else that can come in and be a contingency plan at left tackle. And by the way, as much as Lyle Collins is better than Hakeem Adeniji, Collins wasn't great as a pass protector this year, and he's not the guy that he was earlier in his career before injuries became a problem for him. And, and then last one before we let you go. Uh, Derek Carr, is, there's a lot of context around his career, right? He, he's played well, but they've lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how good is he, and what should his market be if and when the, the, the Raiders do cut him later this week? I think he's that classic kind of quarterback 8 to 15, you know, somewhere in that range, which unfortunately in today's NFL is this, like, quarterback purgatory it's the it's the guy that everybody hates nobody wants to have a guy that's just good but has no and he's a little chance. sensitive right yeah. so if everybody hates him it's tough and has kind of no chance of being great right and he's in that bucket with guys like Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott and they're all sort of much of a muchness where these guys can be good and in the right situation they can have a great season and maybe threaten the top five in any given year but the situation around them needs to be great for that to happen and that's hard to do and if you have a giant contract attached to that guy, it's even harder. And I think that's the problem is they become the focus of, like, fans' frustration of the team's inability to craft a great team around <laughs> a guy like that because he's on $40 million or whatever, right? So if you put Derek Carr in the Jets next year, they're immediately a playoff team. They're probably a contender, and I think he has a good season. But if you're the Jets you're also aware that that's true for most quarterbacks. So mm. you're probably not looking for a Derek Carr unless you swing and a miss on an Aaron Rodgers or, you know, unless you get down the list of options and you're like, oh, I guess I it's guess him we'll or take Wilson. Derek Carr. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, those guys are just in a sort of a strange spot in today's NFL. Sam, we appreciate you for breaking everything down with us and uh, keep doing all the, the good work you do over at Pro Football Focus. No problem. Thanks for having me. Once again, Sam Monson joining us here on Radio Row and the Tim Donnelly Show. We'll be back with more live from Phoenix coming up next. Giving you the latest from the NFL's biggest game. It's the Tim Donnelly Show presented by Dreamlawns. Live from Radio Row at the Super Bowl on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Welcome back into the Tim Donnelly Show here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We are live at Radio Row here in Phoenix and joining us in the Pitbull Tobacco and More broadcast booth and the Pitbull Tobacco and More guest chairs are Alex Singleton, fourth-year veteran linebacker in the NFL, member of the Denver Broncos, and Norby, his buddy from uh, Special Olympics, is also joining us here. Uh, so, Norby, I want to talk about what's going on in the Special Olympics, but but first, Alex, uh, reaction to the Sean Payton trade. I mean, it's it's 
a, a coaching trade isn't something that happens every day. What, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I think it's huge. You know, I think uh, his pedigree speaks for itself. I, he's obviously going to bring a winning culture into Denver, so I'm excited for it. I, yeah, I don't, I don't see any negatives from it. I, you know, I think he's going to, you know, be a good fit for Denver. Did it bother you at all that Russell Wilson had his own coach in the facility? See, people say that he, he didn't ever had a coach. I don't. Th- he had there it, was people. Okay, but he didn't have a. coach. Did it bother you that he had people around him in the facility nah, that, I mean, that weren't wearing the team gear? Yeah, uh, I mean to be honest, I don't care. If we're gonna win football games, have whoever you want in the building. Uh, it's you know, and it is what it is. You know, obviously, if we are fourteen and three this year, I don't know <laughs> if anyone knows about it or cares about it. So. Then his coaches would be getting hired by other. You know teams. what I mean? So it's one of those things. You know, I just hope you know when the comeback happens and he does the exact opposite next year has all the numbers go one way that he gets just as much love as as much hate as he's gotten this year because he i mean he deserves it. he's a great dude alex singleton broncos linebacker joining us three years in philly is is this one a little bit bittersweet seeing <laughs> seeing the guys you were you were rolling with make it to oh, the yeah. Super Bowl? yeah definitely bittersweet but i'm really excited for the guys you know it, it's more like a bittersweet towards just like the logo more than like <laughs> the guys because they're you know that i'm so happy that they're in it you know i talk you know I talk to guys every day mm-hmm. you know especially with playing the chiefs twice this year you know they're like dude how do we you know what do we do here what what did you see here you know so you know, you feel kind of involved, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a yeah bittersweet towards towards the city of Philly more than uh, more than the guys on the team. So, so what did you see when when, when you played the Kansas City Chiefs? What, what were you passing along? Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mahomes is special. It's kind of one of those guys that you're just like, um, yeah, I don't know how he saw that guy open there. So, um, yeah, and you know, that's what's nice. Those Philly kind of plays the same defense as we do in Denver. So. Uh, it was just kind of, you know, hey, what'd you see in this run scheme? Who was, who was giving what away? And, you know, just all those little things and, you know, to be able to help that. And, that, I mean, that was two weeks ago. So hopefully they've, uh, <laughs> they've had the two weeks to uh, continue to watch all that stuff. Alex Singleton, Broncos linebacker, sitting in the Pitbull Tobacco and More guest chair. Uh, just one more before we, we, we get to Norby in the Special Olympics. Uh, is it frustrating at all when, when you, I mean, the stat that went crazy viral was, 18 points, right? If your offense just scored 18 points every game, you, you would have been 11-1 and one or whatever mm-hmm. it was at, at, at the, the time. time. Uh, does that get frustrating at all for a defense? Does that does that eat away at you a little bit? Uh, I would say more like you're more like frustrated on Mondays. I don't think mm-hmm. you notice in the heat of it that, like, oh, this could have happened uh, we, we we if we did to, this. Because yeah. we had so many games where, I mean, we were winning 3-6 to six going <laughs> into the last drive, and the team would score. and. Mm. You know, if we stop them one more time, we win three to six. If we win a bunch of games three to six, nine to six, you know, no one cares. But the fact, you know, we lost some games where, you know, if we would have let teams, you know, kind of like Christmas where they scored 52 on us and it's like, okay, if that was happening all That's season. That's on me. Type, yeah, type you know, chest. <laughs> but if we were in so many games where if we just closed out one more drive, I think our record would have been better than it was. So. It wasn't just on them, you know, and that's why it's. I think the greatest team sport in the world is because of that. But yeah, I it, I think it, it just kind of sucked all around. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you almost have to force yourself to think that way? Because right, the exact opposite is true as well. If we got one more stop, we would have won. But if they scored fourteen more, you would have you would have won also. Meaning your yeah. offense. And you know, people always say, you know, if you guys would have you know scored eighteen points, mm-hmm. you guys win. It's like well. There's so many situations, or during the season, you know, week three, or you know, the defense coach is like, "Hey, we just keep playing the way we're gonna do it. They're gonna figure it out." And because it's different, it's not like high school where we have guys playing both ways, and you're yeah. like, "I got this." You know, you you can't do anything about it. So, we're, you're just doing everything you can, and you know, we just continue to grind after it. Like, hey, because and it's the NFL. Like, like I said, you know, the curse. Like, we're gonna have a game where we suck too. So if we're gonna sit here and just sit there and just blame. The other mm-hmm. side of the ball all the time. I mean, it's going to come it's, back it's and bite dangerous. you, and yeah. it divides the locker room, and that's the last thing you want. 
Alex Singleton, Broncos linebacker, sitting with us here in the Pitbull Tobacco and More broadcast booth. Uh, I noticed the, the logo on your chest, not a Broncos logo today. Yeah. It's, a, it's a Special Olympics logo today. What's your, what's, what do you have going on with the Special Olympics? Yeah, I'm here with Special Olympics, walking around. Uh, me and Norby, we're, we're repping, repping Special O. You know, he's the athlete, and, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about the Unified Champion Schools, and it's um, the schools that, you know, Unified generation is the is the hashtag right now, and it's to you know bring schools together, you know stop bullying, stop all the things, bring everyone together, inclusivity, um, and yeah, using sports to be able to do that. And that Special Olympics is you know obviously doing that. It's a huge organization. It's you know not just in this country but all over the world. And yeah, it's about unifying uh, unifying the schools, unifying you know everything. And and with that, we welcome into the Pitbull Tobacco and More broadcast booth Norby, Special Olympics athlete, uh, Norby. Radio Row, are, are you taking it in? Are you having a good time? Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Uh, what what sport is your uh, your specialty? My specialty, I would mostly go with football. Football? Yeah. Are you learning a lot from this guy? Uh, yeah, as past years, yeah. <laughs> what uh what position do you play? I play linebacker. Even better, you should study some tape. Uh, how's how's the team? You guys you guys pretty good? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, everything going on with Special Olympics, we appreciate. Uh, the, the work that you and Alex are putting in to, to spread the word. Um, and, and Alex, chime in on this if you want. How, how can people get involved if they want to be, I don't know, a coach or just support the, the Special Olympics? Where do they go? Yeah, it's as simple as specialolympics.org. And Beautiful. It, it'll take you to links to all your areas. I mean, Special Olympics, if you haven't volunteered, if you haven't just spent time around athletes, if you haven't gone and just been a fan, mm. uh, take time out of your, you know, go. There's stuff every weekend. There's a sport, every single sport. And just go and just see the passion and love for games. And, I mean, you can talk uh, more about that. You know, just it, yeah. Norby can tell you the passion that he has for the sports that he plays. And uh, you see it and hear it in every athlete that participates in it. I, I think it's the greatest thing in the world. Well, let, let's hear it, Norby. What, 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 kind of, what kind of passion are you bringing to the field or, or the other sporting, sporting events? Uh, the sporting events is really – it's really com- – it, it comes like a family. Mm. So it's mostly going to come straight at you. But the thing is, y'all working as a team, y'all know what you're gonna do. As long as as long as your family is just connected, then you're good. It just stops all everything that you were just doubting yourself to rise yourself up as a level. And it, it's it's that way all the way up to the NFL. I mean, the, the everything you just said rings true. So so thank you guys once again for joining us and uh, keep enjoying Radio Row. Yeah, thank yeah. you, thank you. It's the Tim Donnelly Show live here on Radio Row on Priority Auto Sports Radio ninety four point one. We'll be back with more coming up after this. This is the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio ninety four point one. Connecting you with the biggest stars at the biggest game of the year. Presented by Dream Lawns, it's the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1, live from Radio Row here at the Super Bowl. We are in Phoenix, and uh, we are working on Lee Steinberg, legendary sports agent, joining the show. I I see Robbie down there. Uh, getting him, and he's going to bring him back to the booth, and we're, and we're going to jump into a conversation with him. Uh, but how about that, Alex Singleton? Matter of fact, this might be something that we we start the conversation with uh, with Lee Steinberg. But uh, Alex Singleton, a member of the Broncos, not necessarily calling the the people that surrounded Russell Wilson in the Denver facility coaches, kind of leaning more on people 
right? Just he had people around him, and that is what Sean Payton was was being asked about when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, you know allowing that sort of thing. And obviously, Sean Payton said that's foreign to him, and it wouldn't be allowed. I wonder if that changes at all when when you know they're not called coaches; instead, they're just called like oh, his people. And and also, I wonder how uh, how honest, right? Alex Singleton did did strike me as somebody that was uh, fairly media savvy. Uh, I wonder how honest he was being when we 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 asked him if the defense got frustrated with the offense, and he said, "No, actually, we could have played better." So uh, there were a lot of games where the defense couldn't have played better, and if they would have been able to to win that one, uh, I, the offense would have only had to score a, a couple a couple more points, literally a, a couple more points. So it is a uh, it is an interesting take from from Singleton on uh, on what's going on there. Uh, also, going back to our conversation with with Sam Ponson, who you can follow on on Twitter at pff underscore sam. Uh, basically, I, I kind of you know I've been asking a few people, and if you've been listening to all the shows here from Radio Row, I appreciate it. Uh, we've been we've been asking all of the uh, the guests about this this vaunted Eagles offensive line and. It keeps coming back to, and, and matter of fact, it, it, you know, even the the PFF guy Sam kept coming back to. They're just good. Those just five guys up front are just good for Philly. And sometimes I like how uh, how simple it can be. And matter of fact, how simple can it be? Lee Steinberg is jumping into the Pipple Tobacco and More broadcast booth and jumping straight into the Pipple Tobacco and More broadcast chair. Uh, Lee, first of all, thank you very much for for joining us. Uh, we were just having a conversation about uh, the, the news recently that Sean Payton won't allow Russell Wilson to have his guys in the the facility. As an agent, has, has that sort of thing ever come up? I, I, we always kind of, you know, fantasize about the big money negotiations, but do you negotiate maybe access for players like that? No, because you wouldn't ask for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, it makes sense because you're – to get that, you would have to give something up, you're kind of saying? No, it's just that whoever the coach is is going to have his rules and standards, and then you just have to live up to them and, and deal with them. Sean Payton was the hottest coach this offseason. He was many different teams made offers on him, and part of what you get with him is he is very concerned with the culture what the mood is, how the players relate, what their sense is. And part of what's really been strong about him is the culture. So if his view is that's a diversion or uh, takes away from the culture there, that's what he's going to do. Lee Steinberg joining us here inside the Pitbull Tobacco and More broadcast booth. Over three billion contracts negotiated by by the man joining us right now, Troy Aikman, Steve Young, Pat Mahomes, some of the best to ever do it. Uh, when it comes to those quarterback contracts, are will we see one tied to the cap anytime soon? Where where maybe the the total isn't a number per year, but a percentage of the cap per year? That's quite a clever concept. I'll have to use that. <laughs> um, and thank you. I'll make sure to attribute it to you. <laughs> thank you. Um, but that is what's happening anyway, which is that in the midst of a cratered uh, economy and a pandemic, CBS and Fox went ahead and had a bid for TV rights 
to the NFL that was 83% higher wow. than the last co contract, and we're in the first year of that. So revenue continues to exponentially rise, and that means that salaries do. That position, franchise quarterback, is so critical today. It's, it's the era of the franchise quarterback. And without that, someone you can build around for 10 to 12 years, someone you can win because of rather than with, and someone who in critical circumstances can elevate their level of play to take a team to and through victory. Without that player, it's hard to make it to the playoffs or um, the Super Bowl. So they're going to get increasing amounts of money that Top of the market now is $50 million a year for Deshaun Watson, and it'll go higher. And, and this offseason, it seems like every offseason there's a couple, you know, the, 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 the way it's always said is it doesn't necessarily have to be the best. It has to be the next for, for those market-setting deals. Uh, this offseason there's the Burroughs and the Herberts. Do you expect that to go even higher? Absolutely, because the next person up um, – well, first, let's start with the fact you have to make a delineation between um, regular starting quarterback, <laughs> good starting quarterback, and those franchise types. So, and Justin Herbert and uh, Joe Burrow are both franchise quarterbacks. You take them off the team, they'd be vastly less productive. <clears throat> so, they're both going to get record breaking contracts. It's just how it'll be structured. The challenge is to construct that contract in a way that allows the player to have a great supporting cast around him because it inures to the benefit of the player to be a winning team, to go to the Super Bowl. Nobody's a bigger beneficiary of that than the quarterback. Lee Steinberg joining us here on the Tim Donnelly Show live from Radio Row, sitting in the Pitbull Tobacco and More guest chair. Uh, Lee, the... the the big debate, or maybe not the big debate, but one of the things every time these quarterbacks come up for a deal is do you want to go kind of Dak Prescott and get another bite at the apple when you're 29, 30 years old, shorter term, or the <laughs> Mahomes-Allen deals, which which tie you much longer? Uh, how do you and, and your clients come to the the d decision on which one you're going for or which one best, best suits your client? Remember that under the cap, a contract can be renegotiated every year. So longevity really doesn't matter because if a quarterback were to become really undersalaried um, and he was very productive, a team would take care of it. They would go ahead and do a new contract extension. You're able to do a new contract extension every single year. So um, the one... Um, with the exception of what we're seeing with Lamar Jackson, which is just an exception to the rule, these contracts for these types of players are normally done smoothly, easily, behind the scenes. Both parties get a benefit from continuing to extend the player. Since you bring it up, how unusual is it, or what is it like for you from, from your position where you've negotiated so many of these quarterback deals to see what's going on with Lamar Jackson and the mystery that surrounds it? Never seen anything quite like it because you've got a player who was MVP of the league. You have a team happy with him. 
you have a player who seemingly is happy and where he is, those situations you wouldn't even know um, that the contract negotiation was going on in general. They'd just be sitting at a table announcing a new contract. (laughs) And the fact that it hasn't happened um, and a player is actually a free agent, I mean, that... I've never seen that happen before. Is it almost like when things don't add up, you, there, there's there's got to be something to the story that we're missing? Well, from the outside, I would guess that what Lamar Jackson asked for was Sean Watson's contract, which is fully guaranteed at $50 million. And I'm just speculating that Baltimore would have said that's an aberration and found a way to distinguish it, and that's probably where the problem is. That, that, that's the, the, the story or the, the situation, right? The Cleveland deal with Deshaun Watson is seen as an, an aberration to many. Why is that one an aberration? Meanwhile, when other quarterbacks sign gigantic deals, it's seen as market reset, and that's now what it costs. Meanwhile, that one is being written off as this other thing. You'd be a great agent because you're um, – <laughs> <laughs> Because that would be the... Exi- I, have, I have a card around here somewhere, <laughs> <don't I? laughs> That's exactly the point I would make, that that you can't just throw deals out of the market uh, because you don't like them. And um, it, um, they do set, set the trends. In other words, what was it about that deal <clears throat> that was so unusual? Um, <laughs> Yeah. Well, everything about it was unusual, but the money, I think, is something that gets tossed out when it could just be, like I said, a market resetting deal. Um, I want to get your take on this because coming from the agent standpoint, I'm sure this is uh, what teams give you often, which is the salary cap. Then sometimes you see a team like the Saints or the Rams operate for seemingly five years with the cap is like make believe. How, how as an agent do you work with teams or, or – or, how do you react when they try to say that, like, if you're the Saints right now and you're trying to negotiate a deal for Derek Carr if he's released and they're interested, meanwhile they're $60 million over the cap, do you take less to help the team? Like, what's the, what's the move? When the cap came along in 1993, I took a very intelligent group of lawyers and I stuck them in a room, and they had to stay there till they found every... Uh, way around the cap. All the void they years had, and all this kind exactly. of stuff. Exactly. I did void years, void buyback, a whole series. Right. Yep. And now it's a tougher cap. They don't have quite as many things, but you have to be creative. <laughs> you, <exploited> them. <laughs> you have to be creative in drafting around the uh, uh, cap. So you, you have to find what those teams that you think are oblivious to the cap are just much smarter in terms of finding ways to do it. And the biggest way is big bonus because bonus counts amortized against the cap and salary counts completely against the cap for each year. So uh, it's continuing to roll over a contract, giving big bonus, spreading that out over time and smaller salaries. Do you think, and this will be the final one before we let you go, and thank you for taking time. We're talking with legendary sports agent Lee Steinberg here on the Tim Donnelly Show. Do you think there is a, a point where the quarterbacks, it, it's it's too much? Like, can you go too much to the quarterback and then the, the rest of the team suffers enough? Oh. And, and we're talking about the, the franchise quarterbacks you described earlier, the, the ones that are obvious top money. 
of course there comes a point at which um, it's a team game. I mean, you have to have players blocking <laughs> for you and the rest of it. So um, at the point you would sense that, you'd have to have a down-to-earth discussion with your quarterback client and, and ask him what was more important to him, having X more dollars because they're all wealthy and and getting beat up every sunday or or winning and and losing you know uh but you sort of because the benefit of being here in this game is that you enter the game as a quarterback that's a great football player you exit the game as a household name <laughs> and we, we see that here no, no no week in location in the in the world can you see how much uh, the name of a quarterback is, is meaningful then here on, on Radio Row? Lee, thank you very much for, for jumping on the show. My pleasure. Once again, Lee Steinberg, legendary sports agent, connecting with us here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Coming up next on the show, we have Boomer Esiason, twice signed a contract to be the highest-paid quarterback in the league. He joins the show to break down the Super Bowl and much more coming up next.